This week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, ArtCloud. Trusted by thousands of galleries, artists, and collectors worldwide, ArtCloud's all-in-one art management solution and integrated art marketplace is the fastest growing of its kind. Use ArtCloud's marketplace to discover and buy exceptional pieces tailored for your taste, share your favorites with friends and fellow art enthusiasts, and use the app to visualize artwork in your own space. If you're an artist or gallery, plug into ArtCloud's best-in-class art management platform, including easy-to-use client inventory management, sales assistance, and the opportunity to grow your business by listing your art on ArtCloud's booming marketplace. Ready to explore ArtCloud? Registration is free, so sign up now on ArtCloud.com, spelled A-R-T-C-L-D.com, and request a demo today. Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm Adam Green. In this week's episode, we're joined by Rob Sass, Editor-in-Chief of Porsche Panorama, and he covers the classic car market for several publications, including the New York Times. We thought it'd be great to have Rob on, now as the major car auctions in Monterey wrapped up, totaling just about $327 million. Rob, thanks so much for speaking with us. Thanks, Adam. It's great to be here. Well, this is, of course, a podcast on the art market and the art world. We're grateful that you've joined us as the classic car market is a similar passion investment to art. And as classic car auctions have increased in prominence, they've certainly caught our attention as we look for some of the similarities and differences uh, between that market and the art market. First, it'd be great, really, if you could set the scene for us at the Monterey auctions. Uh, what is it? What is that week like, and how important are these auctions as a barometer for where the classic car market is at the moment? It's a little bit of a cliche, maybe, but the the Monterey auctions really are sort of the Olympics in the in the World Series of of uh, the classic car world, sort of rolled into one. There's six auctions, and they take place just immediately before the the Pebble Beach Concours d'Elegance, uh, which generally happens on second Sunday of, of uh, every August. And the year-over-year figures for the auctions, this year they are $327 million, just slightly down from last year. Where are we in the car auction market relative to, say, the last five or ten years, and how are collectors, dealers, and even the auction houses in the space feeling about where the market is at the moment after these auctions just occurred? Well, uh, the, the market took a bit of a dip with the the. 2008-2009 uh, recession after the subprime mortgage meltdown. Uh, it had been going fairly well, and, and that really put the brakes on things. It lost probably about four years' worth of gains uh, after that. And, uh, you know, after a few years, the market started to come back around 2011 or so. The top of the market uh, really started to come back and start spending again, and, and gradually the middle and, and the, the lower end of the market uh, came back so that by 2013 2014 the market was doing really really well again. Um, you know there are a number of, of theories for for why the sudden uh, increase in in uh, so many car prices, but um, by 2014 or so there were people actively starting to worry that that there might be a bubble market uh, developing. You had some cars. Uh, particularly Lamborghini Countach's, a lot of Porsches that had doubled and then doubled again and even doubled, uh, you know, three years in a row. And that, that started to get a bit worrisome. Um, you know, the market started to look like, certainly in several sectors, it was starting to get a bit overheated. Um, you know, obviously, what I think a lot of people wanted to see, rather than a bubble uh, exploding as it did in, in 1991, was a soft landing. 
And I think that's kind of what we're starting to see right now. Um, you know, after 2014, 2015, 2016, the market started to slide, you know, particularly year over year to North American auction dollars and, and at Pebble Beach, which really is sort of the barometer of, of, of the market uh, as it sits, you know, in the third quarter of, of every year. So this year, as you mentioned, uh, slight, just slightly down year over year from, from last year. Uh, and I think most people take that as a sign that the market is really sort of doing a soft landing right now. So not a whole lot of concern out there right now that, that, that we've got a bubble uh, going on or a bubble getting ready to burst. Um, just a lot of other things out there that are perhaps competing with passion investments. The real estate market's back. Obviously the, the equities markets uh, are doing fairly well. So um, there are, you know, there's competition for, for dollars that have been going into, uh, into the car market. And there might have been an issue of, of oversupply as, as well. I mean, as soon as, as um, you know, the market for, for any particular car starts to do well, other examples start to hit the market, and they're invariably not as good as the ones that, that, that sold initially. So that's, that's kind of what's going on right now. It's interesting. In the art market, we, there are major auctions in May, November, and really it's the top megalots that grab the headlines, whether it's a Picasso, Warhol, or Bacon. But... In reality, most of the art market doesn't transact at that price point, you know, $50 million plus, but rather at a much lower level. In Monterey, just reading about the auction recaps, there was that Aston Martin that sold for about $22.5 million, and that seemed to grab the headlines. But at the lower price points, where most of the car uh, market operates, how are things? And is there any kind of disconnect between the top and the lower end where most of the transactions are occurring. Yeah, no question. I mean, the, you mentioned the top cars that, that I think really had to sell to, to give a certain feeling of confidence to the market uh, did this year. Any Aston Martin that you mentioned, uh, the uh, Porsche uh, 917 that sold for $14 million. Most of the big lots performed really well. It was a little bit uneven uh, further down, say, in the 250000 and below range where there has been kind of a correction uh, that's, that's been going on. Uh, those Porsches that I alluded to earlier, uh, particularly um, the 1964 to 1973 Porsche 911s, uh, the 1976 to 1989 Porsche 911 Turbos, those cars had been doing extraordinarily well. It seemed like uh, you know some of those cars went from being $75,000 cars to $300,000 cars really over a, a fairly short period of time. Uh, there's been a fair amount of pullback there. The the Porsche 911 S's that that had been you know $275,000 cars now are 150 to 150 or $150 to $185,000 cars, and there's sort of a disconnect now in terms of of buyers' willingness to pay, a seller's, a consigner's willingness to to cut a lot loose at a at a certain price point. Just really not willing to accept that there's been. Uh, a bit of a correction. Um, you know, certain models of Ferraris, uh, Ferrari 246 Dinos, uh, 308s and Testarossas, the same thing. Uh, those cars appreciated quite a bit in the 2014 to 2015 period, and they pulled back a little bit. And some sellers just really aren't willing to sort of accept reality, and those cars didn't meet the curve, and they went back home with them. The buyer base in the art market's pretty interesting as it varies significantly based on the type of art. So you have old masters, older artworks. It's mostly collected by European and Americans. But on the other hand, you have contemporary art, which 
its audience and collector base is extremely geographically diverse, especially over the last few years. And as a result, prices have gone up a lot and there's just been demand for contemporary art all around the world and different pockets throughout the world where we're seeing increased wealth. I'm curious if there's a similar phenomenon in the classic car market. How has the classic car collector base changed over the last five or 10 years? Is it getting more geographically diverse? Yeah, I think there are a couple of parts to that question. It, it certainly is, and there's also a generational shift that's going on with it right now. But in terms of of geographical, um, most American cars, American muscle cars, American cars from the 1950s, things like that, don't tend to sell in a global market. They tend to sell to other Americans. Um, outside of, of, oddly enough, Scandinavia, there just isn't a huge market for American cars from the 50s. 60s and 70s. So that market is really highly dependent on what's going on uh, with with the U.S. economy. Um, post-war European sports cars tend to trade in a global market. Americans like to own them. Europeans like to own them. Um, but the generational shift is is particularly interesting because right now I think we're sort of in the middle of sorting out cars that are nostalgia buys versus cars that that really are um, sort of uh, blue chip, perennial blue chips that are, that are sort of ever, for example, uh, the market for, you know, American cars in particular from the late 1950s through the early 1960s is getting a little bit soft, the 55 to 57 Chevys and Thunderbirds and things like that. Um, I'm a Gen Xer. I wasn't around for Elvis, poodle skirts, drive-ins. I like Ike and all that stuff. So very little of, of those cars appealed to me personally. I just, I, I wasn't there. There's no nostalgia uh, for them for me. Uh, yet there are certain cars from that era, um, Porsche Speedsters, uh, Jaguar XK120s, uh, that are really sort of perennial blue, Mercedes 300 SL Gullwings, that are perennial blue chippers, that have this sort of multi or pan-generational appeal that are always going to be interesting. But the cars that are kind of nostalgia buys are, are really sort of of, uh, of cooling off. Um, I guess if there's an analog, obviously uh, the, uh, the, the collector car market is, is much younger than the art market. So uh, the, the dates don't really align. But, you know, your pre-war cars are sort of of, of maybe your, your old masters. I mean, your Duesenbergs and... and uh, uh, I saw the Freschini's, you know, uh, from, from the European side or, or maybe sort of analogous to, to Vermeer's and, and Rembrandt's and, and the like. And they trade in kind of a thin, but very passionate market. Um, there are fewer of them out there. And the ones that are really significant in terms of, of their, their coach work, their coach builders and their engines will always find a buyer. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a, a vastly, uh, thinner market. Um, in terms of, of contemporary cars, there's kind of an interesting phenomenon going on there right now. Um, the conventional wisdom had sort of been that, um, you know, cars have to spend some time in, in the wilderness, sort of, you know, reach the bottom of the depreciation curve and, and sort of make this slow uh, rise to, to acceptance as a collectible. Um, in some instances, that, that, that hasn't been the way things have, have happened with particularly very low production, high performance cars from Ferrari, um, from Porsche, and, and even Aston Martin in some cases, um, you know, those cars are starting to appreciate uh, without ever having depreciated. The, you know, I hate to use the, the term instant collectible, but in some cases with 
uh, LaFerrari's, uh, Porsche 911R, just from 2016 last year, where there's a very small run of these things and demand exceeds supply, um, you're already seeing cars that are that are not very old start to appreciate, and the buyers tend to be uh, tend to be younger. Um, uh, Gen Xers, new millennials that that have done well are are buying these sort of you know low production, um, not very old supercars. And I want to ask about uh, the future of the market and just thinking as a novice to the classic car market, but thinking about cars in general and the future of them and with Tesla and just more cars and the direction in which cars are headed in terms of automated vehicles. Is that a hot topic in the car auction market? And do people speculate if that will eventually be good or if that could do damage to the classic car market down the road? Yeah, I mean, there's a fair amount around things like that and they're they're all issues obviously that the art market doesn't face um, because you know cars are designed to be used and driven on public roads and there are some things out there that people are concerned will will sort of impinge on on the ability to use classic cars things like autonomous vehicles um, you know I think that uh, the cities of Paris and London uh, have passed laws about you know vehicles that don't meet certain pollution standards not being able to access the city centers of those places um, right down to you know even issues like uh, the fact that the the you know the manual transmission the clutch pedal is likely to go away and um, you know it's concern that that buyers 25 and 30 years down the road you know might not know how to operate a, a car with a manual transmission so they're there are issues that, that, that are causing concern, but I think that the, the more, uh, you know, cool-headed among the, the collector car world, you know, can point back to the fact that over 100 years ago, the automobile supplanted the horse as a primary means of transportation, but the, the whole, you know, equine culture is still alive and well. People still own horses and still, um, you know, enjoy riding them, even though, you know, they've, they've long since become obsolete as, as means of transportation. So, um, you know, I think that, that uh, uh, there are some uncertainties on the horizon, but I, I don't think that any of them are really going to prove to be existential threats to the classic car world. Rob, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and educating us on the classic car market as well as just sharing your insights on where the market is. And um, our listeners can enjoy and read any of your coverage on the market and the New York Times as well as other publications. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on and speaking with us. Thanks again. Great. Thanks for having me, Adam. I appreciate it. Thanks to ArtCloud for sponsoring this week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast. Trusted by thousands of galleries, artists, and collectors worldwide, ArtCloud's all-in-one art management solution, an integrated art marketplace, is the fastest growing of its kind. Use ArtCloud's marketplace to discover and buy exceptional pieces tailored for your taste, share your favorites with friends and fellow art enthusiasts, and use the app to visualize artwork in your own space. If you're an artist or gallery, plug into ArtCloud's best-in-class art management platform including easy-to-use client inventory management, sales assistance, and the opportunity to grow your business by listing your art on ArtCloud's booming marketplace. Are you ready to explore ArtCloud? Registration's free, so sign up now on ArtCloud.com. That's spelled A-R-T-C-L-D.com. And request a demo today.